Hey there, and welcome back to another episode of Food Biz Whiz. Today, we are talking with Sylvie Charles, who is the founder of Just Date Syrup and one of my past Retail Ready students. In today's episode, I'm going to do some live brainstorming with Sylvie as we talk through increasing her sales nationally and shifting strategy away from demos and in-person tastings in response to changing regulations around COVID. We do live coaching like this in Retail Ready, both on our twice per month group coaching calls, as well as daily in our private Facebook group. So I'm really excited to give you guys a sneak peek of what Retail Ready support looks like from me and let you guys be a fly on the wall with my convo with Sylvie. I know you're going to get a lot out of it, so stay tuned. You're listening to Food Biz Whiz, the weekly podcast for everyone in the packaged food industry. Join your host, Allie Ball to learn how to launch, grow, and scale your business. You'll hear real-life examples from her time as a professional grocery buyer, interviews with CPG experts, and listen in on actual client coaching sessions. Let's get going. This episode is brought to you by Retail Ready, my online course for producers of packaged product who are looking to grow their wholesale accounts. Retail Ready is opening for enrollment very soon. Through videos, workbooks, checklists, templates, live coaching calls with me, and daily access to me and my team in our private online group, Retail Ready has all the tools that you need to increase your sales through wholesale accounts, whether that's in traditional brick and mortar outlets or through e-commerce platforms. The first step to find out more about Retail Ready is to join my free masterclass on the three steps to growing your packaged food business, which I'll link to here in today's show notes. That hour-long webinar is jam-packed with advice that you can use to kickstart your growth right now, plus information on Retail Ready, on my past clients, and how we can work together. Sign up via the link in my show notes, and I will see you there. Hi, Sylvie. How are you doing? Hi. I'm Hi. great. It's so nice to chat with you today. I'm so excited about this. I'm so happy to have you on the podcast. And I got to say, I cannot believe that it has been almost a full year of episodes before we made this happen. We talked about it like months ago. So thank you for being here. Thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule. And thank you for tuning in from San Diego. I know you're sheltering in place down there, huh? Yes, I am sheltering in place with my in-laws so we can have some free childcare um, <laughs> during this crazy time. Um, and yeah, you know, and even though it's been a year of you doing the podcast, it's, you've been such a crucial part of my business from inception. So I'm excited to get to share that with everyone today. Thanks, Sylvie. So I obviously know all about you and I know all about Just Date Syrup, but for those who haven't had the pleasure of meeting you yet, Sylvie, let's let's give a little background. So give me the one-liner on Just Date Syrup, and then let's spend a couple minutes talking about your your path to where you are today. So give me the one-liner. What's, what's Just Date Syrup? Sure. So at Just Date, we make all-natural sweeteners from dates and pomegranates that are low glycemic index, nutrient dense, antioxidant rich, and delicious. I love it. I um, love it. So yeah, we're, you know, I started with Just Date Syrup. Um, we now have changed the name to be Just Date. Um, we're going through that process right now to encompass um, not only Just Date Syrup, but all our future products as well, um, which I can talk a little bit about yeah. today. Um, and yeah, so my path to getting here was <laughs> a roundabout one. And I actually, I actually started um, work as started my career as a doctor um, in San Francisco. I was in in LA for medical school, then I went to residency at UCSF in San Francisco. Um, and I actually stopped, um, stopped my practice in medicine, because I had a spine injury that took me out of commission for a little while. Um, and it was during my recovery from that spine injury that I started to think probably for the first time in a very long time about what I really wanted, what I wanted my career to be, um, like, and about if my practice of medicine, um, was really fulfilling mm. my interest and passion in food and health. Yeah. And so, and I didn't really feel like it was, um, you know, I think I have the greatest respect for all my fellow doctors that 
do this every day. But for me, the, the work of um, only conventional me- medicine wasn't enough. And I really wanted to get into the kitchens and pantries of my patients. <laughs> and I couldn't, I couldn't go home with them and change, um, change their pantries. Um, during like a 30 minute visit. And right. And like, how ironic too, Sylvie, that you, you were building this career in medicine about, you know, people (laughs) changing their lifestyles and like finding a more holistic lifestyle. And then you yourself were like suffering as a result of the work that you were doing to help other people. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it, spine injuries are really complicated and chronic pain is really complicated and it can not only be tied to like the actual injury itself, but, you know, I am a big believer that, um, you know, your mental health and what's going Mm -hmm. on in your brain can really contribute to chronic pain as well. And I think I was feeling really torn at that time, um, around what I was doing on a daily basis and whether that was like feeding and supporting my like inner passion. So it was sort of, even though it certainly didn't feel like that at the time going through recovery, it really was a blessing in disguise yeah. that um, allowed me some time and space to think about my next steps. Um, and so I started to think really about my Indian community and the Indian sauces and condiments I had grown up with. And I started my first company, Spice <laughs> Mama, um, from from that injury, really coming back to these like healing powers of like the Ayurvedic sauces that my mom had um, that I had grown up with with my mom, and wanting to make those really healthy and sugar free and salt free, um, really tasty versions of those condiments that were very much geared towards like my Indian diabetic community, and then trying to expand that to a broader reach. So. That was yeah. actually the first iteration of my company, which probably not a lot of people know. <laughs> I'm glad you bring that up because, you know, as you and I talked a little bit off air, I think it's so easy for food and beverage founders to see other brands and feel like, feel like they just hit success overnight and just, you know, somehow like found that magic product and, and ran with it. And I, I feel like we don't really hear all of the years of work that go into building brands. So I'm um, thank you for sharing about Spice Mama and being being open to talking about it. So you so you launched Spice Mama. This is actually when we met, right? Like you and I mm-hmm. met before Spice Mama came into existence. Yeah, um, you helped me with all the initial branding for Spice oh, Mama. That was um, so, I, that mean, I gotta say, <laughs> I well, I love that. I love that product line for a few reasons. One, it was so delicious. I mean, I still, <laughs> I still think about the the tomato achar and oh god, the tamarind. Mm, they were so good, so so good. Thank you. <laughs> and, and and then the branding was amazing. We, you know, you and I worked together with Nicole of Design Womb and worked through all that branding and the messaging and the <laughs> worked with Zach yeah. on the copy and it was. Uh, that was such a fun project. Yeah. The branding for Spice Mama was really special. And, yeah. you know, I still have jars and jars in my garage <laughs> that I can't really let go of ever. Empty um, jars. So I, <laughs> Empty jars, right? <laughs> so I repurpose them for like salts and spices and yeah. all sorts of things. They're just so beautiful. Um, but, you know, I think I learned, I you know, even though sometimes I look back at that year that I was doing Spice Mama and have regrets about how much money went into it and how much time went into it. And oh my God, I could have started just date so much sooner. Um, even though I, I look back on that time with, you know, some regrets around that, what I realized is that I actually learned so much from the process and would yeah. have made all of those same mistakes with just date. And um, I got to, I got to learn. Oh, totally. Oh, <laughs> and totally. apply those lessons. And that's the reason that Just Date did so well from the start is because I learned all those lessons from Spice Mama and was able to apply them to the next iteration of my business. Oh, I love hearing you say that. And I don't know if you remember this, Sylvie, but I, I remember when you came to me and you were like, I'm, I, I'm, I'm changing directions. I'm going to do, I'm going to do a a syrup. I'm going to do a date syrup made with this singular ingredient, organic California dates. And I'm going to leave Spice Mama behind. Like, what do you think? I don't know if you remember what I said to you. I don't exactly. (laughs) I was like, I am on board, but it cannot be in glass. And it has to be under $10. I do remember that. (laughs) 
exactly. <laughs> right. And so exactly. I, I think for some, for people who don't know about Spice Mama, um, can you talk about like what, what were the big lessons you learned? Like what sure. any, like, I don't know if you have like two or three takeaways um, that really yeah. impacted your decisions with, with Just Dates or Yeah. Well, so first I'll just give a little bit of context on how um, Just Date like emerged from Spice Mama. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I was developing, um, so we had a tamarind sauce and I wanted to make everything completely refined, sugar-free and, um, and they were, I was just playing with different iterations of using something instead of honey to sweeten our tamarind sauce. Mm-hmm. Um, and tamarind date chutney is like a fantastic, um, Indian condiment. And I just wanted to make the texture different. So I thought that maybe I could turn the dates into a syrup since they had so much natural sugar and it worked on the first mm-hmm. try and I yeah. tasted it and I was like, this is the thing. <laughs> I was like, this is the thing. I'm going to, I'm going to grow and sell. Yeah. Um, and that is when I had that moment where I called you next <laughs> and asked for your advice and your guidance on if you thought this was a good idea as well. Yeah. Um, and you did. And that kind of gave me the green light. Um, Allie, you gave me the green light to go oh. ahead with just eight. <laughs> um, and I learned, yeah, like you're saying, learned so many lessons. And if I had to pick like two or three, um, you know, Spice Mama was all in glass. And yeah. I was so obsessed with the product being the most beautiful, the most mm-hmm. high end. Mm-hmm. Um, I think those are all the mistakes you you come from, like not having experience in grocery or CPG. Um, just like no expenses, you know, <laughs> bars, like just, um, just move forward with the most beautiful products. So they were screen printed. They were glass, you know, yeah. I didn't pay any attention to the cogs. I was like, yep. that'll happen. I'll figure that out, you know? And, um, and so that was the main lesson I learned was a lesson about cogs. <laughs> and so yep. going into just date, it was really about like balance of how I can, still create a product that I think is really beautiful that I would feel comfortable leaving on my counter. Um, but it has to be balanced with the cost. And so that took me from, um, you know, glass, which was breaking all the time, um, to PET, recyclable PET. And, um, also, you know, trying to keep the label as simple as possible Mm -hmm. in terms of color for printing Mm -hmm. costs. Um, and also the other lesson was going from refrigerated to shelf stable. Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, I didn't think twice about having, well, so for Spice Mama, you know, refrigeration was part of the draw. I wanted people to have the super fresh sauce. Um, and with date syrup, you know, I just had to put the work in to make sure that it was shelf stable on its own. And I was so lucky in so many ways. It's just a naturally shelf stable product. Right. Um, but you know, really doing the work of shelf stability testing, all of that stuff to make sure that it could go on shelf for a long time. And now it has a two year shelf life. And that is a much easier place to be in than something with a 14 day refrigerated oh, shelf life. <laughs> I re- I know. And I, I look back at Spice Mama and it, you know, it was so good in so many ways, but it, it was a really tough sell from the beginning, the yeah, glass, right. the price, the shelf life. It, it was it was tough. Um, and I'm, yeah. I'm glad you learned a lot of lessons with that and were able to apply it to just dates her up. And, you know, I want to be clear and, you know, I, I've seen the behind the scenes of it. You've had really fast success with just dates her up, but it hasn't been easy. No, no, definitely not easy. <laughs> and so I don't know. I mean, like, I don't know what it looks like to an outsider, like fast success that's great and flattering but um it's been a really hard slog (laughs) of you know figuring out all of the steps and of course as probably so many of your listeners are being a solo founder um and you know trying to navigate all of all of the world of cpg by yourself um and without any experience in it so Um, you know, I was really dependent on bringing in expert consultants (laughs) (laughs) like you and, um, you know, JD Collins, who was a sales consultant for a while. And, um, you know, with some very expert help, like being able to navigate like this new world. And, um, you know, I think one of the things I have always been really passionate about is learning. And so trying to 
apply that, you know, excitement about learning to building this business, which I think was really key to the growth as well. Mm, Yeah. I think we get to a point in our business where we realize that what got us here won't get us there. Right. Totally. (laughs) I, I, I think about it a lot in my own business. I'm like, okay, like I, I knew how to get to this certain point. And then like, and then what, right. I could spend years trying to get to that next level, or I could just hire a coach who would help yeah. me figure out how to get through that hurdle much faster. And at the end of the day with, you know, far less of um, an expense than if I yeah. did it on my own and made all the mistakes. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I know, you know, that I brought on a co-founder recently. Yep. Congratulations. And, um, thank you. I and love her. She's great. Yeah, from my perspective, she's, she's great. How's it going yeah, for you? <laughs> she's, she's wonderful. And, um, you know, I think it is what you're saying, like what got me here isn't going to get me there. And, um, you know, she has a lot of experience in tech and, you know, all the digital aspects of growing a company that I just mm-hmm. wasn't focused on because that's not, that wasn't like my expertise and seeing what she's been able to do, um, digitally for our business has been really exciting and impressive. And I think she'll be the reason that we continue to see growth and direct to consumer, which just hasn't really been a focus of mine um, during these last two years. So, um, so yeah, I'm really excited to be working with her and I think uh, it can be really scary for a solo founder to bring on a partner, but it's been very positive for us so far. Yeah. Oh, I'm really glad to hear that. And then there's one other thing that I want to mention before we take a quick break. And that's the fact that you, you have an 18 month old baby as well. (laughs) Right. And so I want to talk about Aya for a second and, and let our listeners know that, or just remind listeners too, like, I know, like you said, you're sheltering in place with your in-laws, you are running a business. You're also a caregiver. You're a mom. And I remember right I got, gosh, was it the same month that I was born that you got into Whole Foods Global? Yes. The same week I was launching, uh, I was launching just date into Whole Foods nationwide and having a baby at the same time. And it was a very stressful time. I mean, like those first two weeks. Um, you know, I think I took like a couple days off. Yeah. Um, but I was like working during her naps, like monitoring the whole foods portal and all this stuff. Um, so you know, it can be done. There's there's not a lot of sleep that happens in my life anymore. <laughs> um, but but you know, I, I have the bigger picture in mind. I just love I love my business so much. I love my baby so much. So um, you know, you just make it work. And I just try to give myself like a lot of pats on the back to help me get through it all, you know, like you're doing it. You're, you're you're amazing. (laughs) You have a baby and you have a business. Um, So, you know, it takes a lot of like encouragement um, and there are a lot of breakdowns, of course, um, but it can be done. So yeah, and you were <laughs> you are doing it with grace. It's it's really <laughs> it's really incredible to watch. And I I I see you being so open to to learning and listening and changing and and really thinking critically about your business and that it's paying off for you. So I'm I'm excited about it. I'm Thank excited to you. see what Thank happens. You. Um, well, we're definitely at an so. inflection point. So yeah. Um, yeah, it feels right to be having this conversation with you right now. And, and um, I'm excited to dive in. Good. Let's take a quick break and then we'll be right back and start talking about it. Hang tight. If you've been enjoying these episodes, imagine what it would be like to ask clarifying questions directly to me and have my assistants working through your strategy on these topics. Well, you can. My Retail Ready students have access to me live in our private online group and on our monthly coaching calls, and I'd love to see you in there as well. Retail Ready enrollment opens again really soon and kicks off with my free masterclass on the three steps to growing your packaged food business. 
I have that linked here in the show notes, and I can't wait for you to join to learn more about me and how I work with clients, to find out whether Retail Ready is the right fit for you, and to learn my three steps to growing your packaged food biz. Come join me via the link in the show notes, and I'll see you there. Okay, Sylvie, we're back. I... I'm ready to do some brainstorming. I love doing this with you. I feel like I, <laughs> I always say this, I could do this all day long, but I love, I love talking about your business and I love, I love it when our minds come together and we get to do this. So what do you want to talk about? Thank you, Allie. Um, yes, I also love doing this with you. Um, so I think, so what's happening right now in the business is that we are launching our second product, um, our pomegranate molasses, into Whole Foods nationwide. Uh, this week, it is happening. Awesome. So, Congratulations. Um, a, thank you. It's been a very exciting time. And I think one of the big reasons I'm excited is because it's going to give us some more shelf space, um, yeah. some more brand shelf space, some yep. more brand awareness. Um, and, you know, I think, Ali, when you and I were designing the bottle, um, you know, one of the things that was really important to me was like, how beautiful was it at home? Mm -hmm. You know, like, was it this like, neutral, natural, elegant um, bottle that can sit on your counter and be used as frequently as you're using that jar of sugar, that jar of honey um, that might sit out on your counter. And that was like, really, um, the customer like usability was really a driving force in the whole design of the bottle. I remember the bottle. that. Yeah, exactly. And even the squeezeability, right? Like we wanted mm-hmm. a product that people would just squeeze all over yeah. their breakfast or squeeze and that into fit their in your hand yeah. kind yeah. of perfectly. And um, you know, it's about the size of a hand and you yeah. know, all of yeah. that. Um, but I think one of the things that I did not think a lot about was um, is it gonna disappear on shelf? Mm. And yeah. it's um, really dark. Yeah, it's really dark and, you know, it's very skinny. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, often like if there's two or three of them, it's like next to each other on a shelf, that's great. Um, But if it's one, it can very easily get lost. Um, And when we launched into Whole Foods, you know, it was a lot of work trying to get those double facings, those triple facings. Um, I had brokers at the time who were um, doing a lot of that work nationwide and that was challenging. That was a really like tough investment for my company um, to invest in nationwide brokers, you know, mm-hmm. like over a hundred thousand dollar investment for a year. Um, yeah. and very challenging for an emerging brand. Yep. <laughs> um, and, you know, but they were doing like the really like good work of trying to get us those double and triple facings, but sometimes they just couldn't do it. Sometimes right. that, you know, individual store level buyers just wouldn't accept that. Yep. And so yep. at so many Whole Foods and at so many um, of our other stores, you know, you would just see us like on the bottom shelf, like in the corner as a single bottle. Oh. And the customer has to do so much work to find that bottle, you yeah. know? And yep. um, and there's in our sales data, like a huge correlation between the placement and the sales. Um, Oh, for sure. Store. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so, you know, one of the reasons I'm really excited to launch Pomegranate Nationwide is that, you know, now we're going to have um, a little bit more brand shelf space, even when there's two of them together. The mm-hmm. Pomegranate bottle is pink, so it stands yep. out a lot more. And um, and then, you know, if we get double or triple facings of them both, then you really have some awareness um, and some, you know, insight into like grabbing the bottle and looking at it further. Um, So, you know, I think one of the things with our sales is that overall, um, including Whole Foods and all of our stores, um, Northern California is like by far and away like the strongest selling region. And that's no surprise. <laughs> I'm here and nor- I, like I'm not right now, but usually, <laughs> usually yep. I'm in Northern California and that is my community. And, um, you know, I've done a lot of groundwork. That is where I'm friends with influencers and that's where yeah. I'm, you know, where I've been doing demos and where I do events and all of those things. Yeah. So it makes sense that people know our product in Northern California. Yeah. Um, and, and I then, feel like Northern Californians are aligned with the mission of the product and that totally. um, they under, they, 
this is generalizing, but like they get how to use it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, um, in the Northeast and like Southern California, um, and actually Hawaii as well. Those are like other really, really strong regions for us. Cool. Um, where I, you know, I think it's a combination of things. I think, you know, maybe the press that we've gotten is like more heavily read in those areas. Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. um, generally like there's kind of health and wellness focus in those areas. And maybe there's also a familiarity with states, like the Northeast being close to the Middle East, Southern California, having the Coachella Valley where our dates are from. Um, and so a couple of different pieces driving sales in those regions as well. And I've done, we've done a fair number of events in both of those regions also. Um, and so there was a lot of ground game in those regions. Um, a lot of ground game, a lot of digital game kind of aimed towards um, those three regions. But now I now that those regions are kind of strong and humming, like how do I replicate the success of those regions mm. in other areas of the country? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think, like I was saying, a big problem in discovery was that our little bottle was just like in the corner, <laughs> like yep. on the yep. bottom shelf. Um, so even assuming that like, maybe we can try and get that placement better at all of those stores. Like my, what I wanted to talk to you about today was like, if you have ideas on other strategies we can take that are fitting to our tight budget and, um, yeah, wondering how to like really increase the velocity to meet like our top three regions. Yeah, this is such a great question. And I think it's, it's really timely too, right? Because even if, let's say we were having this conversation a year ago in June of 2019, you know, we would, we would talk about different things, right? We would talk more about like in-store tastings and getting your product, you know, doing in, in in-person marketing, but things have really shifted Mm -hmm. and that's no longer that's no longer the go-to option and that's no longer uh, yeah. uh and even even said Ali like last year I did oh. invest like fifty thousand dollars in demos um it's exhausting yeah it's yeah. A, yeah I can in like California yeah. and um you know we actually just focused on NorCal and SoCal yeah um and you know I'm sure it helped but um the data showed that it really wasn't that different yeah. from just doing like a regular promotion at Whole Foods. Um, that makes me happy. That makes me really, yeah. that makes me really happy to hear because I mean, Sylvie, you know my thoughts on demos, but like for those who who don't, I I recognize that demos are expensive, they're time consuming, they're exhausting, and it's it can be hard to measure the long-term return on investment there, right? Mm-hmm. Um but they're so great for connecting with that buyer and showing that buyer that you are committed right. to making your brand work on their shelves, right? So there's okay. there's positive and negative to the demo. But Sylvie, I think that that's in in some sense that's great to hear that demos aren't making or breaking your business because it doesn't feel quite as uh, as tragic that you've lost that ability this year. Then, right? Yeah, I mean, like it was something I was hesitant to like throw money at again. And we did like, we did really good analysis of the data and showed that um, it was just as, if not a little less successful than doing like a standard, um, you know, yellow tag sale yep. Um, yep. of our products. And so, you know, I was kind of happy to see that because <laughs> it was then like a lot less um, intense of work. But what we have found, what I found kind of anecdotally is that our, um, our like festival and like field mm. marketing events that aren't demos, those actually are really successful and those create really lasting customers. And I'll see the same customers at the same event the next year. Um, you know, the San Francisco Coffee Festival is a great example. Yeah. Um, and I'll see those same customers and they'll tell me like, you know, how they found us at this event. They've been loyal customers ever since. Um, and so, you know, that, like, even though like demos are, were kind of off the table anyways, like not being able to do these events and festivals right now, I think is very impactful. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. So instead of doing demos, you're, you still had an in-person strategy. It just, mm-hmm. or, you know, you did do the demos. You tried that. You decided like, you know, maybe that's not where you put your budget, but you were, you were putting a budget towards in-person marketing. Yeah. Um, our whole, our yeah. whole 2020 was planned around in-person this. marketing, like <laughs> 
cocktail parties, dinner parties, like yeah. all of these really fun things. And I obviously that is all out the door. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, so the good news I'm, you know, I'm always like trying to find the silver lining here is that you've got, you now have that budget that you can reallocate to another mm-hmm. strategy. Yeah. Totally. I'm, like, I'm seeing a lot of brands make this mistake where they, they're like, Oh shoot. Like demos are canceled. The in-person is canceled. Like we're screwed instead of being like, okay, I had that money set aside. Like where, what am I going to do with that money instead? Yeah. That's a really good thought and plan. I think I was taking the first route. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's easy to take that route, right? You know, okay. So when I think about it, Sylvie, like I'm my immediate, my, my, my mind immediately goes to two different channels, still an in store, like on the ground strategy, and then your digital strategy as well. Mm -hmm. So yeah, when I'd love to hear, like, if you, if you want to bounce some ideas off of me, you're welcome to do that. But let me, let me just throw something out there. Um, because I think it'll not only help you, but also, you know, help, help listeners too, that, you know, Sylvie, you and I have talked about the idea that you want to have, you want to have your grocery teams love you, right? Like those grocery Mm -hmm. stockers on the ground need to know your product. They need to know if your product's out of stock or running low on the shelf. And if there's back stock of it, like you want those people to like absolutely be aware of your brand and treating it with utmost care. Right. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that I think about that's, that would be so, I mean, I say so easy, but you know, it still takes work. Uh, so easy for you to do is think about the strategy in connecting on a store level with the store teams instead of the demo strategy. So, yeah. And I'm happy to hear you say that. I mean, that is actually like, I'm working on kind of like a comprehensive store list with all the buyers and the phone numbers and the emails right now. Um, you know, I think it's, again, one of those things that was really challenging because we did explode into a lot of stores in yeah. a short period of yeah, time. You did. Um, and it got really challenged because, you know, the brokers led a lot of those relationships for um, little like co-ops and independents and things like that. Um, I wasn't necessarily, um, I wasn't necessarily the one to interface with those buyers. Mm-hmm. And, um, and Allie, like what you're saying rings so true because, our top stores are all the top stores that I brought in all the stores that I brought in. Um, like the correlation is so strong. (laughs) And so, and it's exactly what you were saying. I met those buyers. I, you know, cared and care currently really deeply about those stores. Um, and it shows. Right. So how can you replicate that now? Right. Um, I've got a question for you. How, how is your supply chain with the single serve packets? Um, so we are redoing the single serve. Okay. Um, so we, um, the single serves, they ended up kind of looking like soy sauce packets and like, confused did I tell you that's what Ian said when I like brought some home, he was like, Oh, soy sauce. I was like, no, no. So yeah, we're redoing the single serves. Um, okay. but that is, um, yeah, I need to bring that back to the top of the list now. Um, now actually some of our resets, um, for new products have been pushed to 2021. So that is actually kind of a blessing in disguise because it gives me some time to think about all the ways we can just continue to support just eight syrup only, um, with single serve and maybe some other methods. Yeah. So I, I think the single serve, especially if you do it with the date syrup, I don't know if you're thinking about doing it with a palm syrup, excuse me, pomegranate syrup as Mm -hmm. well. Um, but that idea that every staff member who touches your product <laughs> should know what it tastes like, right? Yeah. And so like, yeah, what would absolutely. that, what would it look like to ship your first, you know, your, I don't know, your first delivery and include, you know, two dozen single serves for the staff? Yeah, I love that. Right? I love that. Yeah. Um, and like, that, there's your demo budget. You know, I don't think you're going to ship $50,000 of single serves. Right this year. I mean, you, you could, if you no, were totally. ambitious, but, um, you know, I would think no, about such that, a great idea. Right. Uh-huh. Um, especially now too, your product is so aligned with what's trending, right? Health, preventative care, um, plant-based diets, you know, your, your product is, is so aligned with what's 
what's the categories that are growing right now, baking even. And so mm-hmm. I think if you, if you send those, you know, single serves or not, it might even be the, the product itself and a bunch of tasting spoons, but right, something, right. something that, um, you know, I'm trying to think about like what that collateral is that you can send with it that has like, dear staff, like we know you're working hard. Like we, we thank you. We know you're hustling. Like here is, you know, this is our product that has, you know, X, Y, Z benefits. And here's why we're so, so great for right now. Like, thank you. We see you. (laughs) Please keep stocking our product. Right. I love that. Um, yeah, you know, even I was just like reaching out on LinkedIn to a lot of the buyers and just Mm -hmm. like thanking them for carrying our products and stuff. And it goes a long way and buyers are seem appreciative of that. And, you know, I'm trying to get to know them in the same way I know my NorCal buyers. And, um, yeah, I think that is a great way to remember that even though COVID is happening, like food is still an in-person experience. Um, and these, you know, buyers and grocery staff are working so hard and, like still at work and still in their office and need need some encouragement right now. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. And, you know, I even think about that when, when I was in my buyer role, like there were so many products that my team wanted to try, but we didn't, Mm -hmm. we didn't have a formalized process for doing that. Or like, you know, it was, it was challenging. Like one of the things that I would always encourage is that they would when that, when that brand came to demo, like I would always send my team to Mm -hmm. taste the product so they could become familiar with it. But like, how can you make sure that every, every person on that floor knows what your product tastes like? Like that is, I think like that is, that's a no brainer to me. Um, That's great. And even though it's really hard to kind of (laughs) investigate and do some detective work around Mm -hmm. finding buyers' email addresses, it's not hard to find (laughs) the address of the stores. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And so it it will require some like blind faith that they... They're actually going to open it. Yep. That they get them and they share them with a team and all of that. But like, Mm -hmm. I think, you know, Sylvie, we can strategize about how you would make that, that, um, unboxing experience. Yeah. Totally. We love a good unboxing. That's a very important (laughs) thing around here. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Like, and you know, it works on the retail level too, right? Like that grocery stocker appreciates a good unboxing experience as well. So, okay. So I think about that like in-store level, right. And, and that idea that it's, you know, the shopper experience is changing, right? Like, you know, wall, (laughs) like browsing isn't happening as, much anymore. Right. I think about myself, like I'm not going into grocery stores. I'm buying my products online or I'm like ordering. And even though our sales are like currently, um, they've, they recovered from that initial kind of out of stock, uh, drop I was telling you about where we spiked during like the first week of COVID. And then we went out of stock everywhere and nobody was focused (laughs) on restocking us, (laughs) um, despite our best efforts. And I was really hesitant to bother the buyers about it because I knew what they were going through. Um, and I knew that they would probably be angry if I was calling them. Yeah. I know you have everything in the world going on right now, but (laughs) could you please restock just eight syrup? Um, and, uh, yeah, the you know buyer behavior has changed so much, and we we relied a lot on that discovery process yeah. um, for new customers. Yeah, and so you know, I, yeah, I'm wondering what you know, what you've heard about buyer behavior right now, yeah. so we can kind of adapt that to yeah. our current strategy. Yeah, so I actually just did a lot of research on this. Uh, I did a talk at the Vermont Specialty Food Association's annual conference oh. in early June. And so I dug deep into this. I talked to a lot of buyers, <laughs> talked to a lot of brands. And basically what we're, what I heard is, yes, buyers are bringing in new products again. I mean, you said it yourself too, right? Like there was that initial like March into late April where things were on hold, like they were dealing with so many operational challenges and all of that. And they were just trying to restock dairy. Exactly. 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 And now, you know, we're recording this mid June. Um, Things are leveling out a bit. Buyers are catching their breath and buyers are realizing that they still need to bring in new products right? That like the (laughs) buyers need to bring in new products to keep shoppers interested in their stores. And that's, Mm -hmm. that's, 
that's a fundamental, like that, that fact is not going away. And what I've heard from, from some of my buyer friends was, which is actually pretty cool, Sylvie, that with buyers working from home now, they are finding much more focus in their days. They're having like greater capacity to try products and Mm, connect with brands. And yeah, because, and I said this in the, the specialty food webinar that, um, when I was a buyer, like I would be interrupted all day long, right? Like (laughs) you've been to the offices at buy, right? Like I would be in the back there and then, you know, a shopper has a question. I need to cover a cash register. I'm the CEO of just date syrup wanders in and wants to have a conversation. Exactly. And so I would have loved to work from home. I can't imagine how productive I would have been if I, you know, even one or two days a week working from home. And so, you know, I'm sure you've experienced this, but like the, the rise of the virtual pitch and this idea that you can actually connect with a buyer over zoom is incredible. I'm actually very Mm -hmm. excited about this for, for the future of wholesale. Um, this idea that buyers are available in a different way than they had been before. So I think for some, some of the corporate offices, Sylvie, we're seeing that buyers are going to be working from home through the rest of 2020. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, and then this is for corporate, right? Like where it's a a buying team who's not, you know, typically responsible for working on the floor, the merchandising and things like that. But um, I think, I think Sylvie, we'll see that buyers actually have more capacity to connect with brands. Um, Yeah, I love that. And I have been noticing that just like, quicker responses to mm-hmm. email, all that sort of thing. So, yeah. um, yeah, that is feeling, that is feeling like, you know, we're able to get in touch with them. And for, for us, we just have to do the work right now of kind of transitioning from when we had brokers and they were kind of in individual contact with all of these buyers to yeah. bringing those relationships back in house, which I want to do, which I love would love yeah. to do. Yeah. Um, there's just so many of them. Right yeah. <laughs> and I have a couple, I have a couple other things that I want to touch on before we wrap up, because I yeah. think that they're, they would be valuable to talk through, but sure. Sylvia, I think, um, one of the things, and I know, you know, this, but I'm just going to say it out loud that your, your product is really meets the needs of a modern consumer right now right? Mm -hmm. And so you know why grocery buyers bring in products, right? Like they bring in products to enhance sales in their categories. And your product is so on trend for that. And so connecting with that buyer saying, I am a female founder. (laughs) I have a female co-founder. I am an Indian woman in CPG. I am working in this category that is skyrocketing. Like now mm-hmm. is your time, Sylvie. Like, I think it is. Right. I think it's. Yeah. At home baking is up. Yeah. <laughs> like quite a bit. So, you know, yeah. yeah, we're trying to capitalize on that as well. And um, just a quick thing about, you know, I wanted to ask you, you know, there's kind of like the old school methods of doing things yeah. um, that like, you know, everybody, all the like VC funded brands have a lot of capital for. Um, and then there's kind of, you know, like trying to think through kind of workarounds for that. Yep. Um, and one I think that is like more a classic old school technique that I'm wondering if you have opinions on is IRCs and um, how to use them. You know, I've never done it before and we're working on some ways to do it now, like a sticker on the bottle and things like that. Um, and I'm wondering if you have any opinions on if that has worked for brands you've worked with or when you're yeah. a buyer. Yeah, totally. Okay. So if our listeners don't know what an IRC is, it's an instant redeemable, yeah, redeemable coupon, right? Um, And it is, it's usually like a sticker, like you said, Sylvie, that attaches to the bottle and it's like 50 cents off or, you know, $1 off or whatever. And here's, here's the thing. And I'm, Again, if we had had this conversation in 2019, I would have said, yes, absolutely. Like do a, do a coupon price reductions work, um, especially in more like, you know, bigger groceries where you have a more price, price conscious shopper. But Sylvia, I'm, I don't know because I don't know about that shopper browsing right now. Mm -hmm. Right. And so like, I think it depends and actually we should. I'm like, we should talk through this. The, yeah. <laughs> depending on the region that you would try it in, 
the, like we might see regional variation here, right? Because I think about some areas of the United States are easing up on shelter in place and people are going to the grocery store and mm-hmm. are probably having that more traditional browsing experience in the store. And that's where a coupon might be more effective. But if we're talking about, I'm just going to say it, if we're talking about San Francisco, like right, people, in the stores. <laughs> people are not in the stores. They're doing yeah. online shopping and right. that, and product discovery is, I still think there's like a huge holes in product discovery with online shopping, right? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> if I were a different person, I would go into grocery e-commerce right now and redevelop that user experience. Um, but yeah, and it's, you so know, it's been amazing because our Amazon sales have, you know, quadrupled mm-hmm. and it's incredible to watch. But, you know, I also want like our <laughs> our standard brick and mortar grocery retailers to yeah. be growing as well. Um, you yeah. know, we started 2020 with such a huge bang and, um, you know, I was expecting that to increase all year and then, you know, COVID hit. Um, and yeah. so we're trying to figure out like how to you know, if those grocers are on Instacart or however people are getting those groceries right now, how can we be a part of that experience? Totally. Totally. And so I think Sylvie, like with a coupon idea, it, um, whether it is really that, um, IRC that's on, on the jar or, you know, with the, the shelf tag and stuff, um, you would just want to be really, really clear or really intentional with what regions you would do that in and study the consumer behavior mm-hmm. about, you know, whether or not people are browsing or like, <laughs> you know, e-com versus brick and mortar sales um, in that region before you roll out a, a physical coupon. But then it brings up something that I wanted, I wanted to talk about, Sylvia, if you have like five more minutes. Um, sure. Okay. So I still think that there are two things that I think about with increasing your brick and mortar sales when like right now, right. Especially with online, online ordering e-commerce picking up. So number one is confirming that with the stores that you are in the physical stores, making sure that you're on their e-commerce sites. And I know this Mm, sounds crazy, right? Like it's, it's there. It sounds like, well, of course I would be on their e-commerce site. Like I'm, I'm in their store. But if we think about it, like the average grocery store has tens of thousands of SKUs, right? And so right. they don't put all of those SKUs on their online platform. Yeah, that's a and, good point. And I actually have seen on Instacart sometimes that stores I know where on shelf, like not seeing it. On totally. Totally. I, I was ordering by right earlier this week. I was like, I know you carry this, you know, XYZ product and it wasn't on their Instacart page. And of mm-hmm. course you can like write in and like say right. that you want but something, but like, do that, people, right? you know, that you don't have to worry about those sales. Like those consumers are already hooked if they're, <laughs> if they're writing into Instacart that they want your product. Yeah. But so on a basic level, uh, making sure that you are listed on the e-com platforms for mm-hmm. the curbside pickup stores, you know, any stores that you're in, you should be on their e-commerce platforms. And then second is thinking about these stores are new, you know, generally speaking, like new to digital marketing and new to curbside pickup, order head curbside pickup, all of that. Um, And so they are also spending, they're also figuring out online marketing campaigns. They're figuring out how to spend marketing dollars with online ads. I think that you have the opportunity to show up as a partner here and think mm-hmm. about what digital campaigns you can do yeah, with your brick and mortar to their mm-hmm. newsletter content. Totally. Like because that. those, those marketing managers need yeah. content, <laughs> right? <laughs> so if you are right. willing to do a, a promotion, a price promotion, mm-hmm. that might be something where you're literally like DMing, um, you're getting on Instagram and you're DMing a store because that that's yep. typically the marketing person who's managing yep. that that account. And you make a connection with that marketing manager. You send that person <laughs> some date syrup and you talk and you make a plan. You present a plan for doing a digital campaign with them. Yeah, I love that. that um, yeah, I think like remembering in digital, I'm always trying to remember that it's still about the people behind, yeah. behind totally. the digital presence. Um, and I think right now too, Sylvie, you know, you have, you have such a great 
like you have a versatile product and I know, so we're going to run out of time to talk about this, but you've got some new SKUs coming out besides the pomegranate syrup. And mm-hmm. I think, um, you could do some strategic fourth quarter planning right now. Yeah. And, you know, there's so much room for, for holiday promotion with the, with the SKUs that you're going to roll out. Right. That's, I mean, yeah, Q4 is our, is our season. That's your time to shine. <laughs> that is our time to shine. So, you know, yeah. I am, I'm literally thinking about the next year holidays from the moment that like that year's holiday season ends. Oh, for sure. So, yep. yep. But now absolutely. it's getting close. And if you're a CPG brand, not thinking about holiday yet, you have to. Exactly. Sylvia, I don't know. I haven't like absolutely confirmed this, but I'll, I'll do a sneak peek that I think when this episode comes out, the next week's episode is going to be about fourth quarter planning. So um, we're going to talk about Christmas in July on the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much for your insight. Yeah, Um, I could could talk about it with you for another hour. (laughs) I really could. Uh, Thank you so much for your time here. I love chatting with you and I'm so I'm so proud of you. I'm so excited for just dates are up. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm so excited about the change that you are making in our, in our food industry here. It's, it's big thing. I literally couldn't have done it without you. So, um, thank you for your input as always. It's been so long since we had a consulting call and Oh, now I miss them. <laughs> I know we got to get back on the phone. So Sylvie, how, how can people find just dates are up where, where can they keep in, keep in touch with your brand? Yeah. So, um, you can go to our website, just dates Um, you can find us at any whole foods in the country and um, you'll soon be able to find our pomegranate syrup there as well. And, um, you know, just check in where we're launching a new store locator soon. Um, that will be very comprehensive. So you'll be able to to look on our website and find where what little independent or co-op or natural food store you can get it at as well. Awesome. Thank you, Sylvie. It's always great to chat with you. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Bye. Okay, whizzes. Thank you again for tuning in today. And I hope that you found Sylvie's story inspiring and that our conver- conversation around increasing sales and shifting gears insightful as you navigate the rest of 2020 with your own brand. So as always, I would love to continue the conversation with you in our Food Biz Wiz Facebook group. We have almost 1,000 members in there. I'm very proud of this. So if you are looking to connect with fellow food and beverage founders and sales managers, plus get direct feedback from me, come and join us. You can find our group at foodbizwiz.com or linked in today's show notes, and I'll see you over there soon. I hope you have a great week and I will be back here next Thursday. Until then, stay busy. You're listening to Food Biz Wiz, the weekly podcast for everyone in the packaged food industry. Join your host, Allie Ball, to learn how to launch, grow, and scale your business. You'll hear real-life examples from her time as a professional grocery buyer, interviews with CPG experts, and listen in on actual client coaching sessions. Let's get going.